Hi, this is Matt, and this is What's True for Everybody. And it is a cool evening here in Fort Collins, Colorado. The office window is open because I love to feel the cool air. And my friends, it's been a day. <laughs> my wife's car broke as she was driving, and which is a little bit scary, but thankfully she was able to get to the car to the side of the road. So we had the car towed to a place and they tried one thing and then called and said they couldn't fix it and so we had to have it towed to another place and they tried something and then called me and told me what it would cost to fix this car and it was a cost that was from the opinion of, of myself and Corey may, might be worth more than the actual car is. So we're now in this position where we need to decide, do we get this car fixed at this price, which might be more than the car is actually worth? If so, how long will this car last? Or do we go a different direction and do we look into some used cars and, and get something that my wife enjoys and that's safe and that we can afford? And if we do that, what is our bank account at now? And then what would it be at if we bought a car at this price range? And uh, so it's life happened today and, and we have de a decision to make. And uh, that's what happens. That's life. But you know what? Uh, we take a deep breath and we recognize that this is still a gift and it's still good to be alive. And I got to watch my daughter in gymnastics class tonight and watching her run around in her outfit is one of the cutest things I've ever seen. We had a family dinner and then I got to cuddle with my boy for a while in his bed for bedtime and now it's about 8 o'clock in the p.m. which is not my prime thinking hours but I couldn't get to this earlier so I wanted to do it now and this is going to be soothing for my soul and I hope it's helpful for you. My wife is in the other room talking to a dear friend of ours on the phone and so she's happy and content. And uh, here we go. Last time, episode one, we talked about the why. Why did I want to start this podcast? And then I shared a passage from Genesis chapter 12 and why that's been resonating with me. Uh, and then my plan was to move on to something else, but it was either the night after I recorded the first one or the next night, but I was thinking about just reflecting on uh, what we talked about. And in this passage, Genesis chapter 12, God tells this dude Abram to leave everything he knows and to go up to a land that God would show him, which means Abram didn't know where he was going, but he went. And we talked about the blessings God gives us when we respond and when we trust. And uh, I was thinking about times in my life and other people's lives when we leave things and we're headed towards something else, whether we know what it is or not, we're not there yet. And, uh, this phrase just popped into my head and my wife and I were bringing dinner to the dinner table for our kids and for us. And this phrase popped in my head and I just looked at Corey and I said, the sacred space between here and there. And she said, what? And I said, that, that's what I have to talk about next. The sacred space between here and there, because I think we can take this conversation a, a level deeper. And so Corey just said, all right, go write it down so you remember it. And I did. Then we had dinner. So that's what I want to talk about, the sacred space between here and there. And that's the title of episode number two. And here's the premise that, that we're going to start with. My premise is this. Wherever you are in life, wherever you are, it is sacred. 
It's sacred. And warning, the word sacred here, it doesn't always mean fun. (laughs) It doesn't always mean enjoyable. It doesn't always mean where you would choose to be if you got to write your own story. Uh, What the word sacred means, it means to be holy. It means to be set apart. And my belief is wherever you are in life right now, it is somehow set apart. It is somehow holy. So if you're on an airplane, you're on your way to vacation, you're going to visit family, you're going to Disney World, you're going to the beach, whatever it is, you've just wrapped up everything at work in the last couple days and it was frantic, but you did it, you were up late, or you just packed for yourself or yourself and the kids and you were worried you weren't going to get to the airport on time and now you're on the plane and you're flying and there's this like (sighs) moment where you aren't where you were, you aren't at your home and you're not there yet, you're not yet where you're going to be you're at the sacred space between here and there. And there's this moment of, oh, life couldn't get better. We have this whole week, 10 days, whatever it is ahead of us to enjoy. Uh, Now, the flight back isn't always like that. The flight back is something different. But the flight there is it's the sacred space between here and there. And that is fun. That is enjoyable. That is something to look forward to. But there are other times when the sacred space between here and there is not so enjoyable. Uh, Recently, there was a 13-year-old boy around where we live. He actually lives in a neighborhood over from us, about a half mile away. Uh, He was missing for about 24 hours, from a Saturday evening to a Sunday, uh, late afternoon or evening. And that Sunday, when when people like actually started, oh, he's not here, and started to look for him, uh, something happened in our community. And this, he lived about a half mile away, or lives about a half mile away, and he's. He's fine. They found him and and everything's okay. Uh, But something happened in our community. Uh, The community, our neighborhood, the next neighborhood came together in a way I haven't seen in the year and a half that we've lived here. Uh, There were Facebook groups devoted to this. There were prayers going out. There were text messages. There were phone calls. There were people walking around our neighborhood with flyers. Our kids uh, were playing outside uh, during the day on Sunday afternoon and probably three different groups of people came by with flyers and started talking to us and, hey, did you hear any updates? Do you have any updates? Uh, there, it was a moment that was set apart. No one wanted to be in that situation. Uh, but God, I think, was doing something in the community at that moment. Maybe you've had this experience where people have come together. And a lot of times in these sorts of situations, you see, uh, like my wife and I watched a, a documentary of the marathon bombing a few weeks ago. And You see the worst of humanity in those moments, people who bomb people, but then you also see the best of humanity, people helping people, people uh, bandaging people, people staying with the relationship after the event is over when all the healing is happening. And we saw something in our neighborhood that day. Now, I can't imagine what this boy's parents were going through during that time. Uh, And that is just terrible to even think about. so I can't speak for them, but from my perspective, something happened in our neighborhood and it was holy. It was, it was, uh, he was gone. There was a point where we knew where he was and then he, there was a sacred space in between where he was gone and then he was found again. There's a sacred space between here and there. And what I want to talk about is the story in uh, the gospels where Jesus, what we're told is getting, he gets tested in the wilderness. I'm going to read from the gospel of Matthew and this is chapter four verse 
1. And so this story in Matthew's gospel becomes, it comes between Jesus' baptism, where he gets baptized and, and God publicly approves of him, says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So the story becomes between that and the next story is when Jesus starts to go out and preach the coming of the kingdom of God and starts to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And so this story ha- is it's the sacred space between here and there. And it starts like this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now wilderness here, uh, what's the wilderness? The wilderness is often used as a metaphor, rightly so, another word for desert, uh, for a time that is hard, it's sad, it's unexpected, it's where you wouldn't choose to be if you could write your own story. We've all been in the wilderness. We've all been in the desert. That is something that's true for everybody. We've all been in those places. So this is where Jesus is. Now, the wilderness here, there's a deeper meaning to that that we'll get to in a few moments, but he's in the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, Matthew writes. Yeah, because that's normal. If you don't eat for 40 days and 40 nights, you're hungry. So we expected that. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights, by the way, that's also interesting. Get to that in a minute. The tempter came to him and said, now the devil's going to tempt or test Jesus three times. So here's time number one. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So Satan's like, hey, Jesus, bet you're kind of hungry. See those stones? You could just make them bread and then you wouldn't be, you could just eat it. You wouldn't be so hungry anymore. And then Jesus' response is this. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this quote comes from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, also interesting. We'll also talk about that in a moment. The second temptation from, from Satan, then the devil took him, being Jesus, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. So they're in Jerusalem. He takes him to the highest point of the temple, which is like the center of the political and religious world in Jesus' day. And he says this, for it is written, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. Then they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Which, by the way, (laughs) Satan is now quoting scripture. Jesus kind of thwarts away Satan's first temptation by quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter six. Satan's like, oh, you know scripture? Cool. Me too. Takes him to the highest point of the temple. Hey, if you're really a son of God, throw yourself down. And I'm going to quote some scripture to prove to you, if, if you believe in this stuff, that God is going to save you. And uh, he quotes, Satan quotes from Psalm chapter 91. And he quotes verses 11 and 12. And this is really, really interesting because he stops at verse 12. Go sometime this week, if you have a Bible or go online, look at Psalm 91 verse 13, the next verse that that Satan does not say, because that verse is about how the serpent is going down. The the psalmist there says that Satan, like he's he's going to lose. It it talks about Satan's demise. So Satan quotes from a passage of scripture that actually talks about how he's not going to win, which is just awesome. The Bible is awesome, by the way. So Satan says that Jesus comes back, he answers him. It is also written, 
do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now he's quoting from Deuteronomy again, chapter 6. Last time was Deuteronomy 8, this time Deuteronomy 6. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus now quotes from, all, again, Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 13, and, and last time was verse 16. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Oh, man. Okay. First of all, wilderness. Uh, metaphor for a, a space or a time that's hard, that's, that's sad, that's unexpected. It's not where you would choose to be. Deeper level here. Uh, Matthew's getting at something. Uh, the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness points back to God's people in the Exodus when they spend 40 years in the wilderness or in the desert. And all of Jesus' responses to Satan, his three responses, uh, they're all scripture quotes that are taken from the story of Israel when they're in the wilderness after the Exodus. I mean, brilliant, brilliant stuff that Matthew is doing here and what's going on. Jesus has just been baptized. He's just been publicly approved by God. This is my son whom I loved with him. I am well pleased. And and a lot of people talk about how that's representative of Israel crossing the Red Sea during the Exodus. And before the next story, before Jesus goes and starts like doing stuff, teaching, healing, proclaiming the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom to earth. He now has to face the sacred space in between for 40 days and 40 nights, which represents Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus is in the wilderness facing these tests, facing these temptations and where Israel failed in the Old Testament again and again and again to do what God wanted them to do. Jesus succeeds. What's one of the things that Matthew is saying here? He's saying Jesus has come to do what God always wanted his people to do, which is to bring light to the world. And it's interesting, by the way, that Matthew doesn't point this out when, G- when everything's going well. Like Jesus like is, is like the Beatles. He's like Beatle, Jesus mania. No, no. Matthew points this out when Jesus is in the wilderness. Uh, if Jesus... If Jesus is going to rule the world, uh, it's only going to be by the path of the Father, which, by the way, is not the path of worldly power or of wealth or of fancy titles or of manipulation or of climbing the ladder or of going it all on your own or of being fawned over or of cruising on easy street all the time. No, no, no. This path Jesus is going to walk in order to rule the world uh, it actually goes through the wilderness. It goes more than once. It goes through the wilderness, and it's actually eventually going to involve a cross. And Jesus being tempted here, being tested here for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, it highlights key aspects of Jesus' character. It tells us a bit. When you're in the wilderness, it tells us a bit about your value system how you react to it. And here we learn a lot about Jesus' value system. 
He's in the sacred space between here and there. Now, uh, three things I want to say here. Uh, And I want to phrase these in the form of resisting temptation, because that is what the story is about that that we just read. Uh, So three things. First is this. When you're in the sacred space between here and there, it's the wilderness. It's hard. It's sad. It's, it's not what you expected. It's not what you wanted. Resist the temptation to believe that there is nothing for you here. Resist the temptation to believe that there is nothing for you here. There are seasons to life. Some seasons are great. Some seasons are really, really tough. Wherever you're at, be in the season. Pay attention to the season. Pay attention to what God is teaching you in the season. A great question to always ask is, what is God teaching me here? What is God teaching me today? What is God teaching me in this moment? Pay attention. Don't resist the temptation to believe there is nothing for you here. Maybe for you, it's learning uh, how to be dependent on God instead of something else. Maybe it's uh, what you really need to find your identity in instead of what you've been you're finding your identity in up until now. Maybe it's uh, learning self-control. Maybe it's learning sympathy. Maybe God is trying to teach you graciousness, whatever forgiveness, whatever it is, pay attention to it. Uh, maybe it's being thankful for the little things, which are, which are really not little at all. They're actually like where it's all at. Uh, I'm in a season right now where I'm in a sacred state space between here and there. And one of the things I am learning is how to be grateful for what I'll call the everyday moments. Uh, for instance, I get to walk my daughter to school every day right now, which has been one of the greatest joys for me. Like this morning, we were uh, walking to school and talking and I got, <laughs> you ever get a back itch in a spot that you can't reach? And so we're Coming up on the playground, her friends start seeing her, and I said, Nylea, do you ever get an, an itch on your back where, that you can't reach? And she's like, no, I can reach everything. <laughs> and so I said, I, well, I have that right now. Will you itch my back? Half kidding, because I know she doesn't want to do that in front of her friends. And she says, no. And I said, I know, I'm just kidding. And we walk a few more steps, and she says, I'll itch your back. And so I kneel down, and she takes her hand and does like one fast like half-hearted attempt at an itch, swipe across my back and then laughs and runs away. (laughs) It was awesome. It's the little things. My wife and I got to go on a lunch date yesterday, like in the middle of the week, just because. And we had a gift card for a place and I had lamb tacos and seafood bisque. (laughs) And it was awesome. Uh, Maybe God is trying to teach you to be thankful for the little things in this season, wherever you're at. That there are certain things you can only learn from joy. There are certain things you can only learn from being in pain. There are certain things you can only learn from not knowing what's next. There are certain things you can only wor- learn from overcoming something that, that's tough and that you need to overcome. There are things you can only learn from losing a loved one. Uh, by the way, have you ever noticed that People who have lost someone who was really, really close to them are often the people who have their priorities in order the most because they know what's important. They've learned a thing or two from their loss. 
wherever you're at. Resist the temptation to believe there is nothing for you here. You're simply in the sacred space between here and there, and God is asking you to pay attention to that. Now, second, resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button. Resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button. There are times when, when we want to pause time, right? We just want it to stop. You landed on, from the plane. You're on the vacation. You're sitting on the beach. You're with the family. You're like, man, can this just last forever? This is great. Uh, it's Christmas break and you don't have to go to work. You're not in school or whatever it is. You have more time to just hang out and do stuff. You want to like read for leisure. And man, I just want to, I just want to pause this. Can this, just, can this just last for a while? Uh, I remember at our wedding reception, looking around the room and seeing the people closest to me, family and friends, and the people closest to Corey, her family and friends, all in the same room. I mean, it never happened before that. It's never happened since then. It, it was one of those moments where it's like, and all of these people, this is exactly who I want to be in the same room together. Can we just pause this for a while? Uh, then I realized, oh no, honeymoon's next. Gotta go. <laughs> But there are times when we just want to pause time. Uh, there are other times when we want to hit the fast forward button. One of our favorite things to do, me and Corey, is to do pre-marriage counseling or pre-marriage mentoring with engaged couples. And one of the things we will always say is, uh, don't hit the fast forward button here. Because you're, you're getting married in whatever it is, three, four months, five months, six months, and right now, you're, you're trying to figure out who to invite and who not to invite. You're trying to figure out where people are going to sit. You're trying to figure out what you're going to serve for dinner. You're, you're figuring out centerpieces, all of, what are your wedding colors, what, all of this stuff. And oftentimes, it's stressful. And there's times where I just want to, want to, get, past, I just want to get to the wedding day or just past the wedding. I just want to be married. And there's, a, there's I mean, that's legit. <laughs> yeah, we get that. Uh, but what we'll always say is, this is a season of your life that you're, you're never going to have again. This is exciting. This can be fun. And yes, you want to get to the wedding. Yes, you want to do all that. But don't hit the fast forward button here. Don't blink. Don't wish it just went by. Uh, you have a baby and you have not eaten a warm meal or taken a shower on consecutive days for months. <laughs> and there's a part of you that's just, I just want to fast forward. Like, can this kid just grow up a little bit? I mean, you love the snuggles. You love the cuddles. You love the, the smell of your baby after a bath. You love putting the jammies on. Uh, but there's a part of you that's, can we just fast forward this a little bit? Uh, resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button. Pay attention to, to the moments that you're getting right now that aren't going to happen again, at least with this baby. Or you have three kids who are a bit older and they're in this season, they're all in different extracurricular activities, it's sports, it's a play, it's whatever it is. And you, you just feel like carpool mom or carpool dad. Like that's all you do. Can we just fast forward this season, please? Uh, yeah, we get, I get that. But wait a minute. This is a time that, that you aren't going to experience again. Uh, you're in the sacred space between here and there. Don't resist the temptation to, to try to fast forward this. You're an accountant and tax season's coming up and you usually get burned out like early February. <laughs> and you're like, man, I'm just going to want to fast forward this tax season. Hold on. Uh, 
you're doing good work, you're doing a needed service to people, some of whom you probably know personally and care about deeply, resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button, do your best work, or you're a teacher, uh, and (laughs) it's like, it's the day after Halloween, and all of your students went to bed two hours late last night, and their parents gave them a Snickers bar for breakfast, and they're just nuts. Can we just fast forward this day? There's something to teach them here in this day. Resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button. Now, going back to like the 13-year-old who was missing for 24 hours, what I'm not suggesting is like his parents during that time would be like, oh, I just don't want to hit the fast forward button here. Let's just pay attention to... No, no, no. You want your boy to come home as soon as possible. Let's fast forward this part of it. Like, that's not what I'm saying. If you get in a car accident and you're waiting for an ambulance to come, I'm not suggesting you say... Uh, ambulance can take their time. I just want to hit, I don't want to hit the fast forward button here. Let me pay. No, 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 no. You need help. You need it now. Uh, what I am saying is if you are in a space, it's hard, it's sad, it's unexpected. It's, it's not what you would choose in some way or another. And you need to somehow heal. You need to somehow feel it. You need to somehow reflect on it. You need to pay attention here. Resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button and feel what you need to feel. Heal where you need to heal. Cry where you need to cry. Talk to people where you need to talk to people, whether it's a counselor or a spiritual director or what, uh, 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 someone who's been down this road, whatever it is. And feeling it and not hitting the fast forward button. To hit the fast forward button here, that's what I call cheap healing. That's cheap healing. That's trying to get through it without really dealing with it. That's not going to work. Uh, but to deal with it, it is always going to cost something. That's just how it works. It's always going to cost something. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to require effort. It's going to require soul care. Eating healthy costs more than not eating healthy. But it's always better for you. It's always better for you. So, so don't fall into the cheap healing. It's going to cost something but you're simply in the sacred space between here and there. Resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button. And then third, uh, resist the temptation to downplay your worth or your calling when you're in the sacred space between here and there. Resist the temptation to downplay your worth or your calling. Uh, Did you notice that how Satan started two of these three temptations to Jesus? He says, if you are the son of God. If you really were the son of God, you could probably do this. Uh, Have you ever thought that? If I were good at relationships or I were worthy of relationships, that person would, would still be around. If I had talent in this area where where I decided to make a career, uh, I'd, I'd be a bit further ahead right now. If I were a good friend, I wouldn't have disappointed that person when I said that thing. I mean, that is an easy trap to fall into. Resist the temptation to downplay your worth or your calling. And that's, that's the messages that get played in our heads sometimes. If you were really good enough, <laughs> then this would have happened or this wouldn't have happened. Your job, your calling is to be a light in this world. However 
you are being led to do that, however you have been created to do that, however you are being asked to do that. Your calling is to be a light in this world, and that makes your worth and your calling extremely important. You're worth more than you will ever know. You are called to maybe more than you will ever know. And this word calling, by the way, can often be like, it can give us pressure because sometimes we're taught like you have this one thing you were created to do. And if you miss it, (laughs) then like you're screwed. Then this world is not as good as it could be because this one thing, this one moment you missed. No, no, no. You were created, I believe, in such a way you can make, you can be a light in this world in all sorts of ways. Your, your mixture of passions, gifts, talents, skills, interests, uh, you can be a light in this world in all sorts of ways unique to you. So I talk about calling, just be you. Pay attention to where it is you're being led. And when you're in the space, the sacred space between here and there, resist the temptation to downplay your worth or downplay your calling because you are worth more than you will ever know and your calling is extremely important. The famous author and poet and novelist Wendell Berry, he has this collection of poems in book form, I believe, called Given. And in it, there's this line, he says, there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. And, and to be desecrated, it means to vi- or to desecrate, it means to violate a sacred place, or it means to treat a sacred place with disrespect. Wendell Berry says, there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and sacred places that have been violated <laughs> or sacred places that have been disrespected. When you're in the wilderness, when you're in the desert, when you're you're in the sacred place between here and there, the wilderness, it tries to distract you from your central calling, from being a light in this world. It tries to get you to turn your back on God because if you, if God were actually reliable, then you obviously would not be in this position or this place. The wilderness, it tries to get you to focus on your own survival using unhealthy means, unhealthy ways, instead of focusing on serving others and how taken care of you actually are because you know what you can take a deep breath and still realize it's good to be alive and when you're in the desert how you react how you act in the wilderness it will always tell the rest of us something about your character it will always reveal something about your value system so wherever you are i recently read a psalm, Psalm thirty, uh, Psalm one forty three, from the Old Testament, and it's written by this dude named David. And David was, he was in a wilderness. He was in a tough spot, and and that wasn't. I mean, he, he he's he's been here before in the wilderness, and and sometimes it was because of his own doing, and sometimes it was just simply because life happened to him, and that's how it works. Right? Sometimes we're in a sad spot, we're in a tough spot, we're in an unexpected spot. Sometimes because of things that we've actually done and choices that we made. Sometimes because, hey, this is, this is life and this happened and, and here I am. Uh, but he wrote these words and, and he's in this spot. He's going to use words like enemies uh, and foes. And it seems here that he's like physically, he's in a tough spot. Like people want to harm him. Uh, but that might not be true for you. And, and so when you hear a word like enemies or foes, maybe you can think of, uh, whatever the hardships are right now, 
whatever sadness that, that you're trying to get past that you're trying to overcome. Uh, but he says this and, and see if these words are helpful. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment. For no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Maybe that's your prayer. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. In your unfailing love, silence my enemies, destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. And may you, wherever you are at, may you know that it's sacred. May you believe that there is something here for you. God is teaching you something. May you resist the temptation to hit the fast forward button, which doesn't mean if you're trying to heal, you stay in that spot forever. No, you need to get through it, but you just need to get through it in the time it actually takes to heal this wound. And may you resist the temptation to downplay your worth and downplay your calling because your calling is extremely important. Well, if this has been helpful for you, if this has been uh, somehow true for you, then chances are it's true for somebody else. So if this has been helpful for you you to to pass this episode along to someone who you think might benefit from it, and uh, my Twitter handle is Matt C. Boyle, at M-A-T-T-C-B-O-Y-L-E. And if you have any reactions to to what we've just talked about, any questions, any thoughts, feel free uh, to send them there. And... Thank you for listening to What's True for Everybody. Until next time, much love.